Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. Hey, guys, guess what? My whole family's healthy right now. <laughs> I know, and that's awesome, dude, especially yeah. uh, when you've been uh, stuck home with, with the... No, y'all didn't have COVID. Y'all had strep or something, right? Oh, we had COVID. Then we had strep. Ah, yes. That's <laughs> yeah, right. That's we had right. it all. It was fantastic. But everybody's healthy. Uh, the, my wife is 31 weeks pregnant, so we are getting closer and closer to having number seven. And um, I'm looking forward to it, man. Um, in fact, uh, she told me the other day she's really excited because it finally hit her that um, because of when the baby's going to be born right after Thanksgiving, She's going to have a newborn baby to snuggle with while she watches Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> that is hilarious. That is hilarious. I, I, I do, have to, do have to admit, around every Christmas, every single year, my wife makes me get, uh, I don't know what you call it, it's like Amazon Prime when you can get the Hallmark add-on. And she always uh, asks me to get the Hallmark add-on so she can watch all uh, the Hallmark Christmas movies around Christmas time. It's all the same. Uh, it's, it's, it's all, yeah, it's all, it's like watching a soap opera, a Christian, uh, not Christian, but a Christmas soap opera. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just the same thing. You're going after a guy, trying to, trying to go after a girl, just whatever. just came home from some long extended stay away for some random reason. Yeah. <laughs> There's a it, dog somewhere. Yeah, and, and two people fall in love, and oh, it's Christmassy, but it's the same thing over and over and well, over again. There's also the huge misunderstanding because people don't communicate. So I guess there's life <laughs> lesson there. But I know that you, people can make anything on on TV these days, and that that kind of reminds me of what we were, you and I were talking about before we started recording. Um, I had a kid in my last youth group that him and one of his best friends created a YouTube channel, and every single video they made was just video of one or both of them eating cereal for breakfast. <laughs> well, that you could click was on it, it and hit play. They would pour a bowl of cereal, pour the milk and eat it. And it was the entire bowl. And then they would stop recording. <laughs> it, was it, was it like, uh, I forget what technical term was EDR. Is that the term? ASMR. ASMR. There we go. Was it was like ASMR. No, stuff? they weren't even trying to do that, and and there was no talking either. They just sat there and ate a bowl of cereal and then ended it, and and that was it. And that was around the time. And some of you who've been in youth ministry for years will probably reckon, remember this trend. That was around a time where there was a trend going around that that became so popular that teachers were assigning it as a social experiment for students to do, where you would go into a public space that is traditionally quieter like uh, a cafe or a library and then eat extremely loud, crunchy food and see what people's reactions were. So they even made a video where they went into a library and ate raw pasta, like the penne pasta. Yeah. And just to see people's reactions, like 
people can literally make anything and put it online and it's ridiculous <laughs> and it gives me anxiety spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> well i i'm gonna be honest with some of these youtube uh youtube people youtube stars whatever we call it and they get all these views and popularity over the stupidest videos social media influencers yeah, like, uh, I don't know if this is still popular, but it was back in the day, like these cat videos. Oh, gracious. Back in the day. They're just stupid little videos that uh, got millions of views. And before uh, that, it was cat pictures. Do you remember the website that was super popular? When yes, we back in the day. I can have cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are so off track right now. Yes, we are. <laughs> I'm really excited about uh, today's interview because we're going to be talking with uh, Steve Cuss. Uh, he is someone that was introduced to me actually from uh, my parents uh, when they because they are in a missions organization. They've been missionaries overseas uh, for the last uh, seven years until COVID. Now they're back in the states. Uh, but this is a book that was given to me over managing leadership anxiety. And when I saw the title of this book, I, I was like, I got to read this book. Uh, not necessarily for the sake of that I deal with, with anxiety and leadership, but just for the fact I haven't really seen many books specifically on anxiety when it comes dealing with leadership in the realm of leading and leading others. And so I just found it very intriguing when I saw this. So I picked up the book. Uh, going actually, I'm not completely done with it. I'm finishing it up uh, right now. Uh, and I said, I have to talk to Steve Cuss and, and just pick his brain a little bit on this topic and how we can, as youth pastors, apply some of these principles uh, to us today. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Well, guys, stay tuned as we talk with Steve Cuss. Well, guys, I am super excited um, about today's interview. We're going to be talking about a topic um, that is very close to my heart. Um, it is something I have struggled with uh, personally in leadership and uh, specifically in ministry, and that is, is, is anxiety and anxiety specifically in, in leadership. Uh, and right, who we're going to be talking about today, we're going to be talking to Stephen cuss and steven i've actually um i've actually got, got exposed to you early on with your book managing leadership anxiety yeah um and it was at a time where it was much needed for me to read uh because of course i think you wrote it right i believe if i remember correctly it's right in 2019 yeah uh right before covid yeah, so it's like yeah. to me to me it's perfect timing um, and of course I got exposed to it early on to COVID. I was like, I got to read this book. I just, the title kind of intrigued me. Um, so Stephen, how about before we go in and talk about this topic and also about some, uh, 
things in your book as well. How about you introduce yourself a little bit, your journey in ministry and where you are today? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm Steve Cuss. I, uh, I'm an Aussie by species, but I live in the United States. And uh, my current leadership context is I'm the lead pastor at Discovery Christian Church in uh, Broomfield, Colorado. Broomfield is kind of halfway between Denver and Boulder, for those who know Colorado. Uh, so yeah, local lead church, uh, lead pastor. I've been here 16 years. And uh, I announced my transition in March to the church. And so I'm probably down to my last 60 days or so as the lead pastor. We're, we're kind of interviewing our final candidates. Uh, and then I'll be doing what I'm doing with you full time in 2022. I do have to say, I, I love ministry, but and what we do here on the um, on this podcast is uh, for me and my co-host, uh, David Pinkham, uh, we're full time youth pastors, but uh, I do have to say I do enjoy speaking and talking to other people. So I can't imagine what that will look like full time. So I, I know that's exciting for you to transition in, in that way as well. Yeah. Okay, so of course we're talking about. I want to dive in and talk about leadership, uh, managing leadership anxiety. Uh, when we talk about leadership anxiety, as I don't think it's a term that I've heard quite often. Um, specifically, anxiety dealing with leadership, I don't think it's discussed uh, a whole lot as well. So, for me, for those of us who are listening who don't know exactly what uh, leadership anxiety, what that looks like. Um, can you explain what is leadership anxiety and maybe a few contributing major contributing factors for this type of anxiety as well? Yeah, you know, Ryan, I, I think that's a really important question, actually, because there are all manner of uh, forms of anxiety and leadership anxiety is, is like the nickname for chronic anxiety. That's the clinical term for what I'm talking about. So chronic anxiety is not grief and it's not trauma. It's basically generated uh, out of assumption and false belief. So, so the broad generators of chronic anxiety would be control. Anytime you're not in control, uh, perfection. It would be always knowing the answer, always being there for people. You know, one of the great struggles in youth ministry is kids in an emergency and they call and what do you do? Are you going to, run to you know you're going to take their emergency on so always being there for people and being approved by other people being liked so those are kind of the general things that generate chronic anxiety or leadership anxiety what's interesting is depending on the way we're wired and our childhood and stuff out of those five we all usually just have a couple so for example i'm not really a perfectionist uh, not doing it perfectly doesn't tend to make me anxious but letting someone down uh, approval or not knowing the answer or not always being there for people. Those would be for me, the three that generate a lot of anxiety. So, you know, people often think of anxiety. They think of worry and fear. It's it, chronic anxiety is really reactivity. It's really what's bubbling under the surface in you when you don't get one of these five things. That's, that's kind of where I'd normally start. Yeah. I don't have to say that when it comes to, uh, for me personally, I'm, I, I, I am a, I guess I'm a, when it comes to my leadership leading, I'm an, I'm a perfectionist and I'm a perfectionist in, in a few other things. My wife may disagree when it comes to how, how I clean the house, yeah. <laughs> I do read that sense, but, uh, I do have to say when it comes to my, I, when I do, when I'm leading and doing youth ministry, everything has to be perfect. The room's got to be perfect set up. Um, I'm my own worst critic. 
Um, I go back and listen to myself and, and critique myself to the T. Uh, when I'm speaking, when I'm doing preaching on a Sunday morning, I go back and listen to it and see what I could improve on and work on and just very much a perfectionist when it comes to my performance um, in things. It, it, and it took me, I, I say, early on uh, in ministry, uh, was full-time ministry, there was a time where I was so consumed of being a perfectionist and everything being perfect and spent almost to a point where I was neglecting my family. Um, spend time with my family probably only two nights a week uh, as a family. Uh, rest of the time, I'm spending time with teens, uh, students, and leaders. Um, and it got to a point where I was literally about to burn out. And I can just remember just taking my schedule and just laying in front of a leader that I trusted. And he just looked at me and said, you cannot do that. Um, you're going to, as your kids get older, you're, uh, you're going to uh, neglect them and neglect your families. And basically, God used that time of almost burning out uh, to really teach me to uh, steer the ship um, a different way when it comes to how I do ministry. And that's over time, I didn't really, I didn't really pinpoint as an anxiety. Um, after reading, the, reading your book and really diving into uh, my own past and doing a ministry, I realized that there was a form of anxiety for me and something that I struggled with. Um, so, that, that brings me to the next thing I want to ask and kind of dive into as well is uh, what are some tools that we can use to help diffuse anxiety? I know there's different forms of, of, of leadership anxiety, different things that contribute to it. Um, but what are, what are you, would, would you say is some of the best tools that we can use to kind of diffuse that anxiety in our lives? Yeah. You know, Ryan, you know, the, the story you just shared about being driven by doing it perfectly and, and, violating your calendar for the sake of the gospel, all of that stuff. That's all really helpful. So, so what you just laid out, I think actually models pretty well for us where you start. I think um, my, my materials don't tend to work well with college students because they haven't come to the end of themselves yet, but you did like, that's what made you hungry. So I think, I think this only works when you, you have come to the end of yourself or you, or you're ready to, or somebody has told you. So the number one tool is just to learn to know when you're anxious. And, you know, I say that, it, it sounds so simple, like it sounds like you should, but honestly, most leaders, and I, I really do mean most leaders actually don't know when we're anxious. And so if you can learn all of the signs in the moment, the way you begin is you debrief, kind of like you did. You got to the end of yourself, you got your calendar, you gave it to a mentor, you're like, what do you think? That was debrief, that was after the fact. But now that you know your tendencies, you'll now have all this power to, to preempt or to be more aware in the moment. So knowing what makes you anxious, I think is a massive tool. And the, the way I encourage people to start is two ways. The first way is just to learn to listen to your body. Um, your body is always telling you the truth. So even as I'm interviewing with you now, we had a elders meeting that went really late into the night and that was after a full day of work. And then I'm a single dad right now, my wife and my one of my kids is out doing college tours. And so I have a very early morning between my dog getting breakfast, getting my daughter to school. So I was up at 5.15, went to bed probably about midnight. 
my body is telling me you are emotionally and mentally tired. Now I can do that for a day. Like I can be present to you. I've got a full day today. I've got to preach Sunday. We're actually having a candidate fly in this weekend. So I'm hosting them. I've got a lot going on. So it's not about not being tired. It's about taking seriously. Oh, wow. My body's trying to tell me something. I better listen to it. So I am intentionally finding moments today to pack in some, some moments with God, some life-giving moments today and all through Sunday. That, that would be one, listening to your body and believing it. The other one would be listening to people you love or who love you and believing them. And that's what you shared too. You went to this mentor. You said, what do you think? And the mentor said, I don't think you should do this or you can do this. And you believed, you believed him. Oftentimes, uh, when we are going too much and somebody says, I think that's too much, there's something in us that says, I can break the rules. I can be Superman or Superwoman. Um, I, I sat down with one of my leaders recently and I said, look, looking at everything that's on your plate, I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying I don't think anybody can do it because I knew I've been there. When somebody says, oh, how do you do it? I'm like, oh, well, I've got big shoulders. I can carry a lot. So I had to word it for this leader in a way to help him realize, I don't think any human can do it. And then I actually said to him, and if you can do it, I think that's a problem. Like, I think something's going to give. So, so listening to your body and listening uh, to the people who love you, those would be the two most powerful tools. And then believing them, uh, that would be where I'd start. Yeah, well, I think there's, there's several things when it comes to, to leadership, I think ties into this, um, at least for ministry. Um, it's, I think that a lot of times we, we have a hard time delegating leadership. Um, it's probably one of the biggest things I've seen, even in my own life, uh, I've seen in senior in pastors, I've, youth pastors I've talked to all over the country is the same, same kind of thing to where we feel like we have to do it, do it all. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think just this last year, year and a half during COVID, uh, I think a lot of these um, practices that we've been doing as church leaders is completely being exposed because a level of anxiety um, and just being, a, just the things that's going on, it's going through the roof. And I just got a good friend who's his senior pastor uh, right before COVID um, was very much, uh, um, leading well and saying that this, we're going to lean on God through this. Then all of a sudden in the last couple of months, he's living in fear, uh, constantly, um, uh, constantly trying to look for people's approval, uh, blaming everybody around him. Just a lot of, of anxiety, uh, that's building up the last year. Cause I do feel like as, as ministry leaders, we put, we feel like we have to do it all and realize that that's not, how God designed ministry to be in the church is a body, not an individual. Um, so very much, very much thankful for, for um, some of the things that, that in your, in your book and your resource, because it, again, I, I, I think that everybody, every church and leader right now really needs to pick up your book and go through it um, just for the fact of being self-aware uh, I, and you kind of mentioned that to just a little bit, uh, just a second ago about being, being self-aware and that takes time of you reflecting, knowing who you, who you are, um, learn how to practice a Sabbath. Uh, I don't, I think that's one thing as church leaders, we don't practice and we feel like we have to work 
we have to work a 40 to 60, 70 hour work week when in reality, you're more productive when you have sometimes less hours and more rest. Um, now, do now when it comes to the, and this is kind of turning ships a little bit, but I kind of want to get your take on this as well. Uh, do you feel like, um, specifically Sabbath, that's something we talk about a lot on this podcast. Uh, and when we talk about Sabbath, of course, we're talking about um, a day of rest, uh, which for a pastor is not Sunday. Uh, so would you think that's a contributing factor uh, or connected to the amount of anxiety levels that you may see in church leaders? Yeah, I, I think some kind of rhythm of Sabbath is essential. And I, I think what's interesting about Sabbath, I do think Jesus set us up to have permission to interpret Sabbath very widely. I think that's the good news. So yes, like I've got a dear friend, he's actually the best Sabbather I know. It's for him, it's a literal 24 hours. It's very structured and intentional. And by structured, I mean structured playtime, structured outdoor. Um, he, he, I, I'm, I'm, I learn a lot from watching him Sabbath with his family. But Sabbath, to me, at its literal core is about control. Not, it's not about rest. I think in Genesis, the story of Sabbath is more about releasing control to God. So that when I think of it through that lens, I think, okay, what, like this is what I'll be doing today. I've got a fairly packed schedule, but I'm making sure I'm doing things today that have nothing to do with ministry. All they have to do with is being God's child. Uh, so I, I'm going to intentionally play with my dog. I'm going to hug my wife. Some of these moments take a minute. My dog would like more than a minute, but, but like, let's talk about those of you who are married. You know, if you, if you hug and kiss your spouse in the passing of the day, that takes a few seconds. If you multiply the normal time by 10, like if you hug your spouse 10 times longer than normal, it's probably a minute. That's a really long hug. You know what I mean? So you can Sabbath in a minute. To me, it's about intentionality and it's about making sure as youth ministers and pastors that our days are filled with thing, the goodness of God where we're receiving rather than giving, giving out. I, I think people burn out because it's too much output, not enough input. And I do think we believe that God's calling us to sacrifice much more than God's calling us to sacrifice. So, so I'm a big fan of being a human-sized leader um, I've done many 60 hour work weeks. No problem. I, I have no problem with somebody working a 60 hour work week. I have a problem with it when every work week is 60 hours. So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. So yes to Sabbath, yes to time downtime. But to me, it's about capturing like, like, like I, I try to be in my scripture every day and I try to make sure it's not related to the sermon because I'm tending to twist scripture into a sermon. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to be in prayer every day, but I also tend to watch stand-up comedy every day um, because to me, laughter is a gift from God. So I think, I think there's a range of activities that God's given us that, that can take that 24 hours, but also that can take a minute that can really connect you to the heart of God and lower your ministry or your leadership anxiety. Yeah. yeah it's interesting. I'm glad you mentioned something because I never really thought about this uh, before, but it's true. Uh, when we talk about specifically Sabbath, it, I think it's tailored also to the uh, individual personality um, as well. Uh, like for yeah. me, for me being an introvert, a natural introvert, uh, my cup is filled by being alone, uh, naturally being alone. So 
uh, for me, a, a Sabbath is uh, spending time alone, um, more time with God. That's why I enjoy doing, I enjoy studying, enjoy reading, enjoy listening to podcasts. Um, Fridays is my day that I consider my Sabbath of rest. And I just, um, I clean. My wife uh, has been working 30 minutes uh, away. So one of the deals that we had is that I'll do all the cleaning on my day off. Uh, so on my day off, I'm doing all the cleaning, putting in podcasts, and I enjoy every every minute of it. Um, so I, I do th- I do I do agree. It's tailored to the to individual personality. And one thing you kind of mentioned too as well is well, like the coin as a daily uh, Sabbath. In other words, you're you're doing things daily uh, of resting, enjoyment. Uh, it's funny you mentioned uh, stand up comedy. Uh, that's that's my way of getting of kind of resting and, and relaxing is 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 either watching um, a comedy or a stand up. Uh, it kind of helps me diffuse. So so I think I think a lot of it is tailored to who you are as an individual. I think each person needs to figure that out. And that's when it comes to back to self reflection of how God's designed you, um, and your personality, and if you're an extrovert, introvert, and in all things in between, and, and how that works for you um, as an individual. Uh, one thing that um, I want to just kind of ask as well is, is specifically for, for youth pastors, if, if there's a possibility to, uh, to po- kind of point this in a little bit, is what what advice specifically for youth leaders in the inner ministries? Um, what advice would you give us when it comes to managing leadership anxiety? If you had to pinpoint one or two things that you believe that um, would greatly impact us, what would that be? I think youth ministers have three unique sources of anxiety. A lot of what I do, Ryan, is I come into groups and I try to help them understand the, the unique situations they face. So I'd I take your thoughts on this, but I think the relationship with the lead pastor is a unique form of anxiety because in my mind and, and at our church, the youth minister is a lead pastor. They just happen to be a lead pastor of a teen-based ministry. But really the youth minister and I have, have, have very similar jobs. I, I do, re- I regret that in too many churches, the youth minister is seen as some kind of a step down I think that's a, a, as a person, as a lead pastor myself, I just think that's a huge tragedy. And I've felt this way before I had teenagers and it's only been confirmed now that I have teenagers. The work that the youth pastor in our church and the adult volunteers do in my kid's life is phenomenal. And without them, we would be, my kid's faith would be, you know, deficit. So, so I think a healthy trust between the lead pastor and the youth pastor is can be a source of anxiety. I think the expectation of parents, so many parents today simply are not willing to invest this, their kids' time in the youth program of the church, but they still expect a consumable type response, right? Like, so on the one hand, they're kind of outsourcing the discipleship of their own children to another adult. On the other hand, they're not really letting those kids get involved because of all the other they're trying to, you know, all the pressure that parents feel about raising a perfect child. Yeah, I'm back here saying amen. <laughs> yeah, it's really tough. And so I think I've seen our youth pastor navigate very unreasonable heat from parents. And what's happening is the parent is carrying all this parenting anxiety 
about what kind of kid they're raising and they're dumping it on the youth minister. Lead pastors get the same thing. I get dumped on uh, in a similar way, but that, that is unique to youth pastors. And then the final is the actual students themselves is I, I think what you have to be able to do is get really clear on who you are, what you offer, what you don't offer. And because that's going to get tested by all three of those, by the lead pastor, by the parent and by the teen, and all three are going to have very different expectations of you. So what, what we're talking about now is a practice called differentiation of self. It's a very difficult practice, but it's becoming very clear on here's who I am. Here's what I offer. Um, here's what I don't offer. Because teens was, with communication, you know, it used to be that there was one way to communicate, pick up a phone or come by the house. Now there's so many ways you get all these different DMs and private messages and texting, like you're inundated. So you have to keep all these communication channels open and kids, what they tend to do is get themselves into some kind of pickle and then they expect you to rescue them. Not all teens, but that pressure to always be there for them. And then, so what you're doing as a youth minister is you're trying to notice when somebody is placing an assumption on you that you cannot hold. It's very difficult to do, but the general rule is to put the anxiety back where it belongs. And so that urgency from teens, that heat from parents, that expectation from the lead pastor, those would be, those would be some, I know there's other unique sources, but the differentiation is kind of the pathway through. Now uh, it's interesting. I, I just got done driving my teen daughter to school. We were not, not to be a nerd, but we were chatting about systems theory, my daughter and I, and she kind of rolls her eyes when we have these conversations, but we were saying, Hey, let's talk about differentiation in movies. And we got to talk about Olaf from frozen because one of the practices of differentiation is who am I? What are my values? What are my convictions? Okay. So what do you do when your values and convictions are wildly misaligned with reality? Maybe there's a, a lazy youth pastor, by the way, Ryan, 25 years of ministry, I've not met a lazy youth pastor yet, but let's say there is one. Well, then his or her values are misaligned with reality, right? The beauty of differentiation is it forces you to grapple with reality. So in, in Frozen, Olaf valued sunshine and heat. He loved it. There's a song about it where he just enjoys being out in the sun. It's absurd, right? It's funny, but he's forced to grapple with reality. So I think if you can clarify your values and your convictions, this is a great conversation to have with the leadership at your church, with the parents and with the teens and let reality help shape your values. But once you've landed them, you can start to feel when people's assumptions and expectations are kicking you off those values. That's really the journey I've been on through COVID and Black Lives Matter and everything that 2020 threw our way is people coming at me trying to get me to change my values and our church's values because they're anxious. And mm -hmm. my job is to keep saying, here's who we are. Here's what we're about. I'm not making you think the same as us, but this is where we're going. We'd love you to join us. It's okay if you don't want to. And that's hard to do. Uh, so that's a long answer, but that's what I would say, I think is the plight of most, most youth ministers I work with. Yeah. One thing that you, um, you mentioned and it kind of it kind of made me start thinking and, and again I, I've, I've gone through this and uh and most people in any form of ministry no matter what lead pastor all the way down is uh the struggle of letting people go 
Yeah. Uh, if you want, you want to naturally, I think naturally as a leader, no matter if you're naturally a people pleaser, uh, which I'm not, not natural that way, but at the same time, you, it, you hate to see people leave, uh, hate people to see you leave on bad terms or, uh, sometimes using you as a scapegoat, um, to right. leave. Um, right. so you, you hate seeing that, but as a leader, you have to be to going back to your values and defining what the, what those are, uh, you have, and not compromising because I'm assuming that everyone who's listening has certain core values that's biblically based. At least I hope that is the case. And when you have those, those core values are biblically based. You don't need to compromise um, on those things. And sometimes that means um, saying bye to people who are upset at you. Um, and that, and that's hard. And, and but at the same time, I've, I've learned a lot I learned this early on, but I definitely have learned this a lot in the last year and a half uh, with the divisiveness uh, that you see not only in our in our culture right now, but that's seeping into our church culture um, of learning to say say that God's in control. I'm not, and if if people leave with me standing up for um, standing for Scripture and the gospel, and if people leave because of that. Um, then I have to be at peace with that to understand that God's in control. So I definitely agree, agree with that as well. And I, and I love the, what you said uh, about those three things when it comes to lead pastor, parents, um, and students, when it comes to anxiety, because that is the core of every, every youth ministry is, is really those three things. Cause some of us uh, specifically lead pastors, some of us aren't blessed to be in a church and this is horrible and, and really sad to say, but some of us are not in a good lead leadership situation. Right. Um, and there's some anxiety that, that deals with that. And I've talked to youth pastors again, who, who've, who have counseled and, and coached. And um, I've talked to quite a few that have been, have been in that role and, and it's sad to see, but that's also uh, brings some anxiety, but um, so yes, I, I totally agree with those, those three things specifically, uh, within youth ministry. Well, and let, let me just add a couple of things there, Ryan. Um, one of the things I also do is, is I create like a universal list of anxiety generators. Th these aren't unique, but it's, it's common to us all. And, uh, the power responsibility imbalance is a big deal. So if you have a leadership at your church that expects you to be responsible for a lot of things, but does not give you the power to do the things you're responsible for, you're going to be anxious. And people get surprised when I recommend that after a few frank, non-anxious conversations about that, if things don't change, they should look at leaving because it's not worth the condition of your soul. Like you got into ministry to change people's lives. That's why you did it. You, you want to see lives change. You want to see students reached and loved and cared for. And I don't think there's ever been a more important time for student ministry than right now. I, I look at what my kids navigate and I thought my childhood was complicated. I, I grew up in the seventies and eighties. I have no idea compared to what my kids navigate. So for youth ministers are carrying a lot. And I, I would just say, once you notice the dynamic, I think learning how to talk about it with your leadership in a healthy, non-accusing, non-heated way is the, is the, what you do but if things don't change over six months or a year why are you staying like it's costing you there's there's a genuine trauma there so i th there are enough healthy churches that you can find them if you can't help 
you always become that way. Um, the second thing I just want to say about people leaving, what's difficult, it's not about people pleasing, it's about all that you poured into them. And then they don't, like in your mind, you emptied your bank account for them. But the way they behave is they take it, spend it, and then hold their hand out saying you didn't do enough. That's, that's I think, why a lot of those leavings hurt, because you feel disrespected and unappreciated. And that just hurts. So, you know, mourning and grief is real as well. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in as we're chatting. I, I agree. That's actually a good point. Uh, it, it, uh, it's, I guess it would be less of a people pleasing and more that way as well, because I uh, guess even the last few years, because again, I'm not a people pleaser. And when I, when I, when I have, again, pouring in, like, I'm glad you said that because it, and that makes more sense, but pouring into uh, your ministry, blood, sweat, and tears, and then have uh, families uh, not like what you're doing. And, and whether, and it is what it is, you can't, you can't place everybody and getting, saying things about you, then leaving. So it's, it's very, very difficult sometimes as a pastor, because you, you, as, if you're you're in ministry to change lives and you're in ministry because you love people and you want to see people come to Christ and um and then the lives radically transform. So so when you have that in the mix of it, it's 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 very hard as, as a pastor sometimes. Yeah. Um uh, can be very difficult. So Stephen, uh, uh what is the best way if someone wanna get connected with you either and talk more about this this topic uh or get connected with your book what is the best way for people to get connected with you yeah probably the really my website is stevecusswords.com um it's actually not a very good website but it is the portal to all the things i offer so stevecusswords.com and I, I need to clean it up and get it a bit clearer for people but through there what you can do the best offering i have is i do an online community and it's 10 it's a whole slew of 10 minute videos each with a tool so if we did like we you and i talked about differentiation that's a whole module i've got a thing on power versus responsibility that's one video so there's that and then the other beauty of this online community is it's a password protected discussion forum and you guys can find each other in in there and present cases and questions and then it's a monthly Zoom with a coach. So that that is Capable Life is the name of that community. Right now we've got maybe 350 people from 16 different countries in it. I, I think that's the best thing I offer. There's a lot of great resources out there for people who wanna do emotional, spiritual health. That's just the best thing I offer. But there's a number of other people that, that have excellent work as well, but that would be how you could chase what I do and get more. Well, Stephen, I just want to thank you for your time to come on the podcast today. Yeah, Ryan. Yep. Great, great to chat with you. I think he needs to win the award for best website ever. <laughs> He's got a great sense of humor. If you're going to have your website say stevecusswords.com, that's a fantastic. <laughs> just lean into it, man. That is just, I love it. I love it. And 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 the stuff that he covered is just so practical and I, you guys ever listen to something and halfway through, you're like, holy cow, he's talking directly to me. He's been talking directly to me the whole time. There, there was stuff in that conversation that I 100% resonated with. And the ironic thing was trying to keep the anxiety in check while listening to it. <laughs> yeah, even, even, even for me, like I don't, I don't naturally struggle with anxiety uh, per se, as, as some people do. Like some people naturally struggle with, I don't naturally struggle with it. 
but there were some things some, uh, that he covered, um, also covered in his book that really resonated with me because I, I w- realized I was struggling with some form of anxiety, but not really knowing or realizing that it was actually, uh, actually anxiety itself. Um, so I was th- very much thankful for, for uh, Steve and, and, his, and his work in this book. Uh, and really pouring into what he does with other leaders. Um, it's one of the things he does on the side is actually also, as part of his ministry, I should say, is that he pours into leaders specifically in this area. Um, it's, again, it's an area I don't think necessarily, it's, it's, it's kind of focused in, because it's being exposed more and more of struggling anxiety. Um, but I feel like he does a good job specifically with the leaders. Um, so if you're listening out there and this is something you, you struggle with and you naturally struggle a little bit with, with anxiety, especially in leadership, I would highly recommend to get plugged into his resources um, online. Or you can, I, think, I believe he does uh, kind of like mastermind groups in some ways. I think he does that online as well. Um, so I highly recommend to get connected with his resources. Yeah, because honestly, I, I think for a long time we thought anxiety was something we're just going to have to live with and get over eventually. But there are active steps we can take to to combat it and to overcome it. So definitely check those out. And and if you've been listening, um, you know, first time is today, or maybe you've been our one of our longtime listeners. You've gone back and you listened to all of our archive. We want to thank you uh, for being a part of that. Uh, we love to provide this content for you guys and. If you haven't yet, uh, please take a minute to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review so that we can hear from you. Uh, But that also allows us to stay near the top of the search results so that those who are looking for solid youth ministry content, uh, solid youth leadership content can find it and be able to effectively minister in their own lives and into the lives of uh, the teens and the youth leaders that they are leading. Uh, And if there's a topic that you want us to cover or you'd like to hear a little bit more detail about or something we covered pre-COVID and COVID has ruined, so we have to do it again, (laughs) uh, feel free to reach out to us. You can can connect with us on our Facebook group, the Youth and Culture Facebook group. We also have a page there. Uh, Please like that as well. And we would love to connect with you guys. Well, guys, stay tuned for our next episode.